from historic Ellicott City, it's the Gamers Core Podcast. Keep calm, game on. Hey everyone, Tim here with some of our DMs here within the Gamers Core Legion, who are longtime dungeon masters, game masters, judges, if you will, aspiring judges in our DM cadre. I like to call it the DM Conclave as a reference to Dragonlance, my favorite story. But we have uh, DM Josh here along with DM Daniel. Guys, thank you for joining me today. Really appreciate it. Super glad to be here. Thank you for the invite. For everyone out there, uh, Judge Brendan is not with us this evening, but we want to wish him much happiness and the best of luck. He did have uh, his level zero. His level zero. zero, as you would say. (laughs) Uh, Josephine Pearl Williams, who is uh, beyond cute and occupying all his insomnia energy these days, but he'll be back at the table eventually. Um, But until then, uh, I wanted to bring you all in, pick your brains, and hopefully provide some insight and some uh, extra knowledge or fun experience to our gamers out there. Probably some of your own players here in Gamers <laughs> Core are going to listen to this. Uh-oh. Oh, so I, I, I warn you that. that when you're sharing a story, they're probably going to figure out that you're talking about them. You may want to talk around it. Oh, I, I, um, I plan on just calling them out. Or just call them out. It's still a lot of fun. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty out. blunt, so they, my guys know. They're probably just going to laugh at the, the predicaments. Oh, very much oh, yeah. so. And all. So, yeah, uh, again, welcome to the table, and I figured we'd just go back and forth and uh, do a DM highlight here, have you both at the table. But, uh, Josh, I'll start with you, man. Like, what, <clears throat> what got you into DMing? Like, I remember a year ago, over a year ago, came into the store. You were just pretty much kicking off into the Dungeon Master scene, but you went full tilt. You did not tiptoe around. You jumped into it. Pretty I got much. A, a yeah. side story, because this is great, everyone listening. The, these guys both have their own story here of how they got involved in our gaming scene. The origin story. But I get story. a call from my wife, Ashley, and she's just like, I remember this, this guy, actually, Josh, yes. came in, and he's super excited to be a DM, and you need to talk to him because you know, gave me the info, and then you came on the next. We chit-chatted, and right away it was like you were off and running from day one. I honestly believe... You were our fourth or fifth DM into the cadre as more and more gamers were signing up, and you did not hold back. So what led to your journey of playing D&D and going full tilt into being a DM? Right, well, I mean, unlike some of the other DMs here, I actually haven't been playing for decades and multiple editions. Um, I got into it a few years ago. Uh, primarily, like, I've always enjoyed fantasy. Um, you know, grew up, you know, kind of come, came of age around Lord of the Rings movie uh, release time. And, uh, of course, loved all the, like, superhero and, like, Star Wars stuff. Um, and so, really, like, um, just... One of my friends from work, uh, I had heard, or he, he brought up and mentioned Dungeons and Dragons, and I'm like, you know, I've I've never actually played that. I've always kind of wanted to, but it's, it, it feels like a secret society almost, or at least back then, a couple of years Did you ago. Judge him, I'm like, nerd. No, no, I was like, I was like, you know, trying to contain my excitement. I'm like, oh, Dungeons and Dragons, that that, and I was just like, what, what exactly? Is this because I've I've just heard like you know in certain circles it's like oh Dungeons Dungeons and Dragons you know and, and yes it's had a stigma over the years and and but I was super interested and I was like hey man you know like it's, it's one of those things like I said kind of like a secret society it's like you have to find somebody it's like I've I found a D and D player maybe. It's Maybe like finding a, a speakeasy. Yes, right? like yes. A group of, like when you're trying to find people that are really into it, and then it's like, almost like hush hush. It's, in my opinion, is that because it got such a negative like negative stigma in the past, if yes, you're yeah. afraid to admit it. But now it's almost like so mainstream that you hear people say, "Yeah, you know, my personal trainer says this, my banker <laughs> says this, my therapist says this, and then my dungeon master." And you're like, "What? What? What are you exactly. talking about?" Right in with everybody else. Oh, it's Man. so intricate into like culture these days, and and it's funny because when I bring in like you have acquisitive uh, and inquisitive personality, like you know, thirst on knowledge. I think oh, yeah. all of us do, and all. But uh, it's funny that you had that reaction because when I talk about it at work. 
and I, everyone knows by now, like I'm in the Marine Corps, you know, so I either get like the over testosterone mask, I'm like nerd, you know, and then others are like waiting until that guy leaves and they're like, hey, you got room at your table? I've always wanted to like, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. And it's always the person that you did not think would be interested. You're like, yeah, sure, why don't you come on by? You know, it's actually a fun game. You, it's like playing war games, you know, yeah. thinking it through with vignettes. And all, but so he pitched it to you. Well, he just he just mentioned it, and I was like, "Hey, man, uh, I've never played. Do you think I could? Uh, what? What? I don't know how to ask other than can I play with you guys? Is yeah. that is that weird? Am I able?" And he was like, "No, it's totally cool, man." And, uh, and you know, shout out to Reed, uh, the guy I'm talking about. He's he's uh, one of my players now. Uh, anyway, but uh, but yeah, he's like, hey, yeah, let me let me ask our DM. I think we've got a seat at the table, and so. You know, he texted me an address, went to this dude's apartment, and uh, ended up meeting a bunch of really cool people. And they were like, "All right, you know, here's how it works." And they just walked me through it. And you know, it was it was a home game. Uh, like, how long like did a you play more. before you went to DM though? <laughs> uh, so we we I got introduced via a one shot, and then immediately went home and created an entirely new character with an elaborate backstory as, as you're prone to do. And And did they die the first session? No. So my character survived the one shot and ended up becoming like an NPC. And then we played, I don't know, seven, eight games. And before I was like, okay, like being a player is one thing, but you know, my personality is like, I kind of want to know behind the scenes, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm interested in, the storytelling aspect, and so it was like, so how how difficult is it to to be a, a DM? So I talked to our DM, and he's like, I, th- I think you could do it. I think you, you seem you seem to have the chops. So I decided I was going to homebrew a like module. Okay. And that was the worst idea ever because I tried to base it. If you've ever seen the movie Cube, mm-hmm. uh, I tried to make a dungeon based on Cube and sunk hours and hours and hours into building it, and my first first session DMing it like I was looking around the table like 20 minutes in and I was like this is this is a disaster did the players <laughs> derail your plan in usual fashion um I mean they were great players they were actually trying to help me they were playing along like there was some there was like an obvious like get the party together trap and it's like sure. okay I'm just gonna fall headlong into it yeah. <laughs> and and so but uh you know after that I mean obviously like I was like, man, I, I, I just need more experience. Yeah. I just need to do this more. And, you know, the second session was a lot better. By the third session, I kind of got the hang of it. Um, and that was actually around the time that Gamers Core was opening up. Um, and so, timing. yeah, and Perfect my timing. wife and I had actually come in when y'all were doing your pre-opening kind of preview. And, uh, like... I remember that because we let you in. Yeah, like, hey, yep. come check it out. Why yeah, yeah, there was, there was, like... Wood everywhere. Yeah, lumber, power tools, <laughs> yeah. building tables and stuff. It was, it was, uh, it was, it was, re- but it was really cool. You had the uh, the giant space marine already there, and I was like, oh, okay, forty k. Has its own story, but that was all the advertising we need. We needed, honestly, like we put in oh, the that's, window. That's what like, brought me in. I know, I know what that is. Like, if you were a gamer, you knew exactly what that. Meant. Oh, I didn't even Very play so. tabletop back then, and I uh, knew what that was. Yeah, there's people that have no idea. Like uh, you're right. Like I see it all the time with parents. I go, oh, that's a space marine. You're like, oh, good job, Games Workshop. That's 30 years of lore that you've been <laughs> pumping out there. Are you? Do you have a theater background? Um, I, I mean, I have you ever I, been in a high school play? I, I was, yes. Okay. Uh, you know, never any leading roles, but I, I really enjoyed that. So yeah, a no. little bit of the theatrical. My wife always says that I'm very dramatic, <laughs> melodramatic even. But even with the storytelling <laughs> side, you know, I can see that because you, obviously we know this with your style, um, you do like to embrace the theater of the mind. That's probably Absolutely. something we'll talk about too with some tips with that because a lot of uh, traditional DMs have the gridded tan maps. They're drawing out with markers at least one or ten times in their DMing. They've Confused, dry race with permanent yep. markers. <laughs> I remember that yeah. from my Which, first pro time. tip, yeah. if you use a permanent marker, apparently, and my, my wife has done this apparently at, at work, they have like whiteboards, but if you use a permanent marker, go over it with a, with dry, a dry race, race marker, marker and it'll come up. This is fact, Both yes. Yeah. I have seen it not work sometimes, though. It is not a guaranteed 100%. Correct. Like if it's been on there too long. Yeah. Why are you using that? It's like a DC 15 kind of roll there. Yeah. Uh, I think now, closer to the 17. <laughs> But also to to highlight Daniel here, it's funny how you got involved. Oh, how my, my story is so odd. Yeah, it, it's so funny because Mitch was DMing 
and Mitch was my very first DM. Shout out to Mitch. He's awesome. He's still DMing here. Yep. And I was being drowned in uh, kid energy, which I did not have. Kudos to Mitch. He has it. He's he phenomenal. With like 18 kids at one point. And we split the groups until ultimately Mitch took over both groups. But um, Mitch, uh, very passionate, believed in what we were doing. And he had his little uh, D&D pitch down. And to, to do something different for our gamers... For those that are listening and did not know, when we decided to go do homebrew, the only homebrew I was comfortable with was Dragonlance. Dragonlance well, that's, that's because you didn't have the, the D&D background, but you grew up on the books, right? I grew up on the books, exactly right. And I've read all 140, 147 of them, still waiting for the next three to come out. But I knew this story back, like back to back, all aspects of it, like ridiculous amounts. And Daniel knows this too, like really weird details. Into I the weed yeah. portions that are like. You're, you're like that guy who memorizes the Tolkien genealogies. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. But just Dragonlance versions. But it was really just Dragonlance. But I knew that if the gamers were going to come here and we we're going to ask them to pay to play because I want the DMs to be compensated for all their passion. Um, it would make sense to have them do Curse of Strahd unless they wanted it or other ones. I wanted something special. And most of the kids did not know Dragonlance, what it was. Because it hadn't been around Tiamat, in a while. But they didn't know Tachesis. And it's like interesting. Um, but you're right. They, they haven't been around a while, but we wanted it unique. So here's Mitch. Um, Daniel's, hey, what are you guys playing over there? Because I was laughing at them playing the these D&D. kids, are, they're great. There's still groups in the same groups today, but they'll break out into the song. They do really wild things, and they're a fun group. Playing Dragonlance, though, and then Mitch says, oh, we're playing Dragonlance. And then... Oh, wait, I'm sold. Yeah. <laughs> Mitch is going on, <laughs> and then Daniel, I hear him. He's like, no, you didn't hear me. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> good, Where man. do I sign up? <laughs> Where do I sign? I mean, it, yeah. was, it was very simple for me. And Mitch is like trying to a third time. He's like, no, I'm not joking. Like, where do I sign up? You don't have Shut to. Shut up and take my money. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was one of those situations because I was standing there. I was sitting there watching them, right, and going through and all this. Mitch is just finishing up the session, and, and I just came into the store. And it was like a month after you guys opened or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had been looking for a store. Just, I don't know. I was lonely, bored, just whatever you want to call it. I walk in. And Destiny. they're playing. And yeah, kind of in that realm because I sat down in one of the chairs. I watched them play. And I was like, I heard, I think, a name or something that was in Dragonlance. And then he started talking about, yeah, well, the store is going to start up a Dragonlance campaign. You pay such and such amount. Or you could pay this slightly more. Or I was like, what's the highest one? That's the one I want. Whatever it is, I'll tell you that. Because it simply was, I'm a fan of Dragonlance. My original book that I was like 10 years old, I got the original Dragons of Autumn Twilight. And I was sent to my grandmother's. And I sat there and read in two hours 100 pages. First time I'd ever really focused in on a book and just got immersed in these characters. The same thing as like Tim saying, right? I start learning all the lore. I understand this. I understand these characters from Tannis and Tass and Caramon and Raceland. And you could just go down and start talking about Fisbin. So I ended up paying to play. And I got put in Group D with what at the time was six other uh, players and then one DM. And we went on these adventures. And I just, I enjoyed it, but I, it wasn't connecting as much with me. Something about the fact that I knew more about the characters than the DM did. Oh, and, and having DM'd for you <laughs> in that Dragonlance campaign. You were the second DM, not my yeah, first. Yeah, and, and I my first hearing of Dragonlance was Tim saying, we're running a Dragonlance campaign. I'm like, cool, what is that? Yeah. Versus I'm sitting there going, okay, uh, you know that princess? No, she is not real nice. She is a ice queen is what they kind of example that they always set for her. Or this is how Lorana would act at this based on this. I'm that backseat kind of player, right? Because I know these characters. So you have your like rules lawyer and Daniel was the lore keeper, mm-hmm. right? Like, you oh, yeah. like, oh, hey, hey, man. Like, and he's not derailing the plan because I know that with you, we, we prepped a lot. Oh, yeah. Really, but but, yeah I was going to say, I'm I don't like, know how much you knew, but there were times I would go to Tim after a session and ask for a lore dump and oh, then yeah. come before the session and be like, here's what I'm preparing for. Give me the lore dump so I don't embarrass myself. So that, yeah, especially when I know when I came in because I was at that point, I was acknowledged the fact that I was like, I know probably more than most of y'all. If you got a question, just ask me, and I'll tell you what I know on the characters. 
But I basically did that because my brother was in your campaign, and I wanted to kind of give him a little bit of support, be there for a little bit and play with him, and just because I hadn't played with him really, and he had he was the closet kid that basically oh he's come like oh he leaps is and bounds, leaps and bounds, so. oh, yeah, such yeah. a fun player, such a good kid. His, and his character's story arc, Jazar, in that campaign was fantastic because he went from like a aimless like rogue street urchin yeah. to leader of an entire tribe of people that he has adopted and taken on the mantle of responsibility as well as his adopted daughter leading you know it was so great you really worked with him and and man he is just grown such as a player but even when like that i did two seasons with you guys and i was like Mm -hmm. all right i'll step out because for one he's good i don't need to be here and that way i'm not always that but then i turned to tim and go and i Later on, I was like, Tim, do you if you need any volunteer stuff, let me know. I don't mind. He's like, do you want a DM? I sat there for about a good 30 seconds blinking. Sure. <laughs> and so... Room to the wolves, yep. man. And I, I remember you coming to me and being like, hey, what are your DM <laughs> secrets and tricks? And I'm like, dude, just go with it. That's the best advice I have. Well, uh, jump in. That, yep. That's where the jump in became the holy moly. So basically I start DMing six months after I've been at the store, right? I start my first session like mid-February to the end of February of 2020. And then what happens? We go two sessions. Uh, we're going online, guys. Good luck. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't even really know what DM tools are as far as like online. So I like I stuck with a lot of that theater of the mind stuff for a while yeah, until that, I figured. The reason we went online was because of COVID. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah that was a everyone and everything went online like yeah. instantly. Yep, and I that boomed. I mean, we moved uh, over a hundred players. Rob, right, good old Rob Lessels. Um, I kind of threw him to the fire too because I was under the impression that he, <laughs> that he like, knew Discord. He like he just knew Discord when in fact, <laughs> he, he was just teaching himself it like, <laughs> like yesterday. And, and then, I was like, oh, Rob, you can help out, right? And he's just like, because he, he kind of offered some things and um, I was totally wrong and, and thinking that he, this is what he does. He's done it for a long time. But uh, yeah, within 48 hours. Everybody moved, had a channel. Every single group was over. Everyone had a channel, different tables digitally. Um we had uh, about 10 or 12 different DMs, and it was over 100 gamers moved, and that's a short amount of time. And Rob, and then a young gamer that's still gaming, uh, Nix, she went on in and helped out big time, like setting this stuff up. Like, we had to bring, like, one of the young teens on board to, like, really show us how to do this. And she's, <laughs> like, creating We're all, all too old. Digital natives, man. Creating Digital all natives. spots, and, like, when people log in, they got to verify, and they're being told hello. I was like, I was never going to set this up. So it just really highlighted the community because we were ramping it up. So. And that whole thing is just that, – that thing has taken off. It has, and, yeah. and our players still use it, even though they we're still in freaking the store now, and – all my players still are on there. They're communicating. I put maps on there now to, for the Dragonlance and different things like that. I so mean, honestly, two, though, as we're recording, they're probably on the Discord. And as they're listening to this podcast later, they're probably on, on the Discord. The Discord. Yeah. Yep, yeah. looking. Yeah, role-playing, sending memes, planning for the next session. Glorious memes. Oh, everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's so much stuff. Memes confuse me. But, but I'm, I'm old. Yeah. I'm, I won't pretend. I'm 45, guys, so I'm not well, a young... Prior to going on to Discord, though... Yep. What would you say your style was initially? So when I started, I was a very physical DM. So I would describe things or how they attack, and half the time I would end up standing up and reenacting basically whatever they had done. Like if they stabbed him in the gut, I was standing up and going, Ugh, and I'm basically got a hand on my own side to, to kind of give them, like give them that, the visual, the visual, right? Because I've all I've got is the miniatures. I've got like a the the beige map there and I'm like all right cool I'm doing the best I got with the little I have an idea but the one thing I figured out for me was is I like to tell a story that is based around my characters I have an idea where I want them to go but I really don't have like a rule set I like I really just went okay I know I want to get to there but that's all I care about everything else we will go adjust based on what these guys want to play how they play it and then I will roll off of that. But yeah, it's just 
It was an interesting time switching two day two. I had two DM sessions. Well, you wound up doing DM stuff for almost all of COVID. All of it, um, yeah, pretty much on Discord. Yep, your group was the first one to return. Yep, and store well. Our, well, D, our Frost Maiden group. Our did Frost first. Maiden did first, but yeah, the to group prove D that we could do it in a safe way. But my then, my play group that I play in group D, we were the first ones that actually came into the store, and we were all separated out. We were had our six feet, had masks on, and we were playing in the store, and it was it made a big difference in that, yeah. in just the emotional mental or how we played the game. Yeah, it was good. And we, we did it. And then eventually, obviously, with the protocols, we went on better. But your DM group also came on back. They were yes. one of the first ones to return. Yep. And all. And initially, it was half the group being physical, half being split online. I had two. So after spending all that DM time, and, and Josh, to you too, uh, online, doing it through Discord, and being the, the DM with the DM tools, what would you say that that experience increased for you in terms of being a DM? Uh, well, Daniel. For me, it increased my uh, adaptability. Very quickly, I was able to go, all right, I need to come up with a bad guy for this scene or if I need to describe this in a different way. I was very able to adjust my mental avenue of mm-hmm. how I wanted to get the story across to them. So the online definitely went, okay. But it, I also had a lucky. I only had three players for like two seasons. Yeah. So it, in, in its own way, it made it better because I only had to deal with three people hearing my story, interacting, and being able to grow. Did you do that just through Discord yes. with the live feed? And so, Josh, you, did you use Zoom? At first, you tried a few things, right? We used um, Google Hangouts, which, like, in the middle of the pandemic, transferred to Google Meet. Okay. Because um, for, for, for me... For capacity reasons. Well, for, right? for yeah. our group, um, like... And you have to remember, Discord evolved very quickly during the pandemic as well. There was yeah. there was no video chat at the very beginning, and infrastructure and so, was lacking big time. Yeah, so wanting to see everybody's faces and all that, uh, you know, we we used Google Meet uh, so that we could actually see each other. Um, so that that's what we ended up going with. Um, so when it actually came to the video, obviously, like Discord has a feature now. It's improved drastically, but you're absolutely right. It was so slow and choppy in the beginning. So there even Google, still, there it, was Zoom. Because at first, we were exploring from the gamers' core well, we, side. We were talking Zoom about it, but Zoom, the free, yeah, the free version had a time limit. Yeah. And anyone who's ever played before knows that 45-minute time limit. It's just unrealistic. That's no, very yeah. unrealistic. No, they're not even getting out of the bar. The right caveat, my guys did, we, we did branch out from Discord while we were away mm-hmm. because it was one of those, like, we tried Discord, we did okay for a while, but I was like, there were times where technology and communication was like, all right, you're jumping in and out. I can't hear you. Yeah. Uh, let's go try. We'll try Hangouts now. And we were literally jumping from one to the next to like the next. tiered plan. Yeah. Of seeing it, we'll try this one first. If it does not work, then yeah. we will move on to this one. If that one don't work or if that gets like four out of five, then maybe we put one other person in this one so we can hear them possibly. And it was literally you were just doing basically a Jenga of audio so that way you could get everybody hearing everybody else and it still was challenging just because you think about the delays now did you the audio delays were horrible josh did you use any digital maps like or digital platforms you know not really um i i mean so i have my usual stash of dm tools but when we were playing the session it was mainly just um just cameras like it was everybody on the face so it it really pushed me as a dm i mean this whole experience dming here has pushed me i mean it's pretty much my my dm career so like when i first got started it was pushing me to actually learn how to dm made all the rookie mistakes you know plan everything out ahead of time and then you know they step out the door and take a left and i'm like ah and then uh but then also like working with characters backstories and things like that so really the thing that i encountered first was you know i i didn't have any platforms i didn't have any maps um before i was primarily a visual guy um and and i mean i like being descriptive too and i i you know you can ask my you can ask my my party uh, they you know i've described things pretty well before uh, i consider it probably one of my strengths but there are definite limitations to that when you're trying to run combat 
and you have no How frame of reference. How far away am I? Exactly. And so I, I would, what I really try to do is throw back to the old theater of the mind and just really, really describe the setting and just very quickly kind of set the scene a little bit. And then they, they leaned into it. And so they're, they're forming this picture in their head and they're like, well, you know, tell me, tell me about this. What am I seeing over here? And so I would just very quickly in my mind's eye think about, okay, what logically makes sense over there? Like we, we had one combat, they were, you know, traveling the wilds of Urgoth and uh, trying to stay out of sight of all, you know, of, of you know the dragons Dragon flying overhead, and, and, uh, and they they come across an ogre patrol, and it's like, okay, well, and I'm describing it to him. It's like, okay, well, how far away are the ogres? And I'm like, um, sixty feet. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you know, in in my head, I was like, okay, what's what is like the maximum engagement distance for an encounter? And I was like, uh, they're they're like between sixty and eighty feet from you. And I just threw that out there, and they're like, cool. Are we at the bottom of the hill or the top of the hill? And so. You know, these questions just started popping up. And, and so before we knew it, though, we were together, players and DM, building yeah. this encounter scene. And even though there wasn't anything to go on, like at least in my mind's eye, there was this very vibrant uh, picture in my head that I had formed. And I can only assume like it was similar for them. Yeah. And we ended up running it because it's like, okay, well, he closes in 20 feet closer to you. It's like, okay, cool. I'm going to charge right at him. And, and it's like, okay. And then, you know, they, they kind of started figuring out just, you know, general distances where everyone was and all that. Now, it was not an ideal thing at all, but it really showed sort of that theater of the mind is not as limiting as you might think it is. Yeah. Um, and it ended up being a great encounter. Um, they they won, uh, which is always Shock. good. Yes, yes. Um, Did you transition to any aids? Um, not not so much. Uh, every now and we then we only I'll, did that one when we when you and I did our little. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> merging of when, our two when when Daniel yeah, exited stage left, uh, it was a very dramatic, uh, like both in in game and out of game. Yep. Um, for, you know, and so, my party may remember that Daniel basically b- decided his character was going to become a traitor and betray the party yep. in epic fashion when they were most vulnerable. And, and, and basically shut the door behind them. And, and then didn't he, do a monologue at all. And you know. just dropped off the call. You I was definitely literally a plan hung for me. up. I wanted to make sure that these guys remembered that they can be betrayed, that things do go wrong. And I wanted to give an out at the end just to really shake things up for them because they, I think, when I played with them, I was like, these guys just know each other. They're so comfortable. What can I do to when I'm walking away? And I knew I was walking away. I was like, well, uh, Dante, yeah, he's pretty cool, but what would be fun if he was actually a double agent basically about to betray them and walk away with the Dragonlance? Yeah. Ooh, that would be fun. Sure, let me check with Josh. You cool with that? Yeah, I'm cool and with that. Like, All right. Yeah, that'll, that'll be dramatic. It tells a good story. And, and, so that's and then, not yeah. the first time, though, or the only time, right? No, the, we had a second had, time. We had worked together <laughs> to impact a larger group. So for those of you that are out there listening, uh, you can run what we call a super session with two <laughs> DMs and have a lot of success. Yeah, I've, did it with, I've done it with Mitch. Uh, where we worked things out beforehand, and I know that you two did it. Yep. Which uh, we had a, a crossover event. Yes, we did two events, two episodes though. Yes, right? yes. yeah, it was, it was, it was a, a two part, two part, two show crossover event uh, for the holiday season. Lands, yep, right? uh, it was it was interesting because the you know basically it was a tale of two DMs for the first session. I ran it, and it was a lot of this you know a lot of elaborate description and you know them asking questions, which I, I liken it a lot to um, Inception if you've ever seen the film. There's a scene in there where, you know, um, there's this question of how could I ever acquire enough detail? And it's like, well, a, a, a dream seems real while you're in it, right? It's not until after you get out of it that it, you, you know something was weird. And it's, it's sort of mm-hmm. the same thing. So I set up this story of basically they end up on this other plane and they're kind of going through this sort of Hunger Games-inspired training yep. montage. Mm-hmm. With a like, mix of Thor Ragnarok thrown in. Yes, yes, so. absolutely. And they're, they're and all of a sudden, like some of the some of the players, of course, were very well uh, versed in Dragonlance and they started noticing a couple of names being dropped, a couple of images being and they were, they went to this huge party, um, you know, where they were being presented as you know the champions of one of the the chosen guests. They quickly realized that if they still had the best 
epic musicality for both of our bards. <laughs> that to yes. me was the highlight of that whole two days session was we gave them prep. We let them know you will need to announce your group. Yep. At, g- at this party where all these There's seemingly noble point. people are gathered and it's like everybody in the room turns and looks at you and, at, and you know, waits for you to introduce your group. And so b- both of them, hats off to both Joe and Chris from the two groups. They f- One of them they did a not- rap battle, didn't they? Yes, which was hilarious was because... amazing because if you all know Joe and Steve... They are quite the older gentlemen, and for them to bust out rapping, <laughs> he busted awesome. out rapping, and and I both Not of us older. They're just more experienced. That's what we're trying to say. That is true. Yeah, they are. Experienced. They're they're tier three. <laughs> but they, uh, Chris had this beautiful ballad that just was kind of talking about all the different characters, and it was phenomenal. And then Joe rolls in with this hip hop rap, and I was like, "Wait, you can rap?" <laughs> and then they, they just they. And he was he he just had such a great flow, and then he throws my name. In. I was like, wait, wait, hold up! <laughs> he threw me in there. I was like, okay, cool. I was not expecting that, and I appreciated it because I was just like, just humbled by the fact that he appreciated it enough. But they just had a, an amazing time playing off the other group oh, yeah. because my group had gotten very used to each other. All this, and then they throw in, oh, there's this other group with. A black wizard and, and it made the oh, world yeah, bigger. Yeah, yeah. It and made, made the, the world, world bigger. bigger. And that was what's yeah. big for me is I wanted to make sure that my group had the chance to understand that I have thrown nuggets of like what your group had done mm-hmm. was thrown in mind so that way they would uh, they could feel like these characters might pop in and out, right? And all this other stuff and even the We group. were doing such an awesome job with that, like before COVID, because I was literally tracking every single that's why I had the the moniker DM overseer because yep. you had to report yep. the to overlord. Me, yeah, what was going on? And then I told the other DMs, and uh, we had several groups where like D, your group, yeah. tried to rescue uh, Steve. I forget his uh, character's name from Group A that were held up and in prison mm. in there. And then the other group tried to rescue the kids group. It was really cool. So the success that you two had to having two DMs in a session. Is awesome. I mean, I've done it. Was a challenging, but how did you all handle who would be like the primary DM in this situation, and then maybe in this situation? So that was that was actually pretty easy. We went Daniel. It was Daniel's idea to begin with. He was like, "Hey, you want to do a a crossover, like team up?" And I'm like, "Cool, okay." And so we we came up with the broad strokes. And the basic storyline was the gods are having this party, and they get to choose their champions. And, and this, it, these it was two a groups. gamble to see what would happen, and they might get a little bit different challenges based on who won this battle, right? And so we kind of, between the two of us, we went, all right, you'll take day one. I'll take day two. Which we basically split it up. Is The first episode was RP heavy. Yep. And yeah. and figuring out, like, where are we? What are we doing? Yep. Which, keep in mind, all this was virtual. Sure. And so um, Daniel at the time had already, like, fully gone in on virtual I, tabletops. Yep. And I think it was Roll20 that yeah, you Yeah, Roll20 done. is so what I, I used like, for it. Hey, I've still got that that's map. a lot more important for like combat. I think and so. Basically, the first and I knew your favorite mind would be phenomenal for my group to hear because I wanted them to also well, experience that was, that another. Was, what was so great was you know you yeah. get to experience someone someone else's playstyle. So you guys so. agreed with who would cover what session? Yeah, yeah. So Daniel well, was going to do both the knew combat, the ultimate, like vision where it was going in the end. But okay. we still even went all right. Well, I'll take Reorix because I know the dwarf god and, and sure. all this because we had a, set, a portion of the first day where they were, all of them would get a item from Reorix and they had to earn it or whatever, but it was a fun little like where I came in. and So I was still involved. They could know I was doing stuff. And so that way my players felt comfortable as Josh is running it. He wasn't. He, they knew it wasn't going to be all Josh's group or all my group. It was like a true mix between the so balance. So this was a, like a dream plane. Uh, kind of not really a not dream really plane. it was actually like a whole it was like an in, we pulled a, them an into the god's dimension. realms basically did any character die no but there was a character who basically lost his black robes because the, the gods end. of magic were there yep <laughs> and, and they gave and Takisis being the uh, goddess of the evil side of she basically gave him an ultimatum 
I want to see blood from your own party. Well, he, and, and for backstory, he was he was kind of a secret halfway yes. follower of Takesis. He, he was he was one he foot was in, one foot, foot out. out. And she was like, "I'm done with this paddle footing around. You have to choose me or choose Paladine. That is where you are at in your life." That you had to choose, and he was—he was, he was Paladine's chosen champion for the battle, fighting against Takesis. Yep. And she's like, "Look, you're my ace in the hole. You're my mole. You're the one who's going to like stab someone in the back at the exactly right time." He tried to find oh, a loophole. He tried to find so many loopholes, um, and I give, dude, I give him so much props because he was coming up with some amazing stuff. Well, he was the first one who, if I remember correctly, he was the first one who figured out this is a party of the gods. There's there's something much bigger at play. Yep, here. and, and he and I like I told him I was like, man, I understand all the stuff, but this was where this was headed, no matter what. And he did he he had a, a amazing character, and I love I loved seeing his challenges that he had to go through, and he was still fighting on it, and he was doing so good. But there was also still that ultimatum was right there. But all characters made it through. They yeah. they did. Uh, I can't remember if any. I don't think even. Maybe we made it too easy. That's sort of the, the challenge. Well, it was a, it was a fun though, two shot. Well, yeah, because you had what five in that group at that time. I believe so. We missed one of your group, and my whole group right. was there. And how many did you have at that time? I think I had five. Uh, because Benar had not. Okay, so let's just say eight to ten players. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, we threw like a CR twenty-two dragon at yep. them. How did uh, the flow go with eight players? Let's say on average, eight players and two DMs. Uh, I think it went pretty well. There were there were obviously. I I was in charge of. Um, doing combat for some of the monsters. Okay. So I was handling uh, like what attacks am I going to be the preparing ads that were that coming stuff. in and stuff like that. Yeah, and then Daniel was handling the actual running of the combat. So he'd just say, "Okay, Josh, you're up." And I would do the monsters action. And I guarantee you some of the gamers listening are like that's just crazy and other DMs are like, "How did you do it with two?" Oh, yeah. with, you know. You but have. what I'm hearing and what I what I know from like seeing it unfold is that you two put on quite the production. You know, and you all were both in, in sync. Well, so I think that's certainly the, hope it was a, a that, worthwhile. That was production. the whole goal, right? Was yeah. I wanted to make sure that it was in sync between the two of us. We had, but we also didn't have like egos about it. Like I know where my strengths are, and I know, and I'm, as playing on his table, I knew what his strengths were. I was like, theater, my man, that is phenomenal. You have that lockdown. I can't come close to that. But I can do is I can create a good map and give us a really awesome uh, dragon we've figured out, and I can make sure that all the players see where they can move stuff and and allow them to to play like miniatures on a table, right? Because they could, I gave them control over their own characters. Which, as good as theater of the mind is, that visual information in combat is critical. You can just instantly look at the map and you're like, okay, I know how far I am. Yep. Well, absolutely. So what would you say, especially since you had two DMs in that one session, I'm going to come back to you, but what would you say are key aspects of telling a story during an episode? Oh, man. Um, I mean, first... What's co- like, what comes pressure. to head right off the bat? Like, so uh, the, it, trying to form a story like within a session is difficult. Uh, it's, it's easier to do like in a campaign over multiple sessions. And But if you're trying to, like in this thing with two, you know, a, a two-shot... Um, I knew my players. I knew which ones really didn't care all that much about story. Their their idea of character development for their story is whatever I do during this time, that's my character progression. So you, you, like knowing your audience. Yes, yeah. yes, very yeah. much so. So knowing, you, knowing your players. After I'll tell you that we get asked all the time, like, hey, do you run uh, D&D Adventures League here, or et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, like no. Because yeah, the dropping in and out. Yeah, ninety percent of the the community here, I, I'd venture to say more, they want to experience a story over the long haul. They just don't want yes. the one shot. So one shots, they they enjoy just to get out of the house, right? Right. But for all the investment that a gamer puts into like a character development, you know what I mean, and and you know the backstory, we all have written like several pages for a backstory before or this general idea. It impacts you big time. You know what I mean? But knowing your audience, what would you well, say? Well, so is, knowing is your players one. and then figuring out what your storytelling goals are. Yeah. And so when it comes, sometimes you have your player centric story goals, which is a lot more involved because you're not the only one doing that. You're involving the player. Um, sometimes wittingly, sometimes unwittingly, um, but it's it's very much understanding the 
the player and the character. So you, you don't go in a direction they don't want to go. Or sometimes if you spring something on them, you know, every every now and then there's something that comes up that the player may be like, hey, I, I'm confused. I want to talk to you about this. So you and, don't force it. You just well, and, and yeah, and it's, it's like being able to have that conversation with them of like, hey, here's what's going on from my perspective. You know, here's some of the things I want um, to like give your character an opportunity to do. Because, you know, sometimes, and I've run into this with some of my groups before, where, you know, I know behind the screen yeah. what some of the you know options are where the road goes from here but a player may so not you're immediately the of the invisible railroad <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so are, right, right, right. Yes. but they may not be able to tell where the tracks are going so and you know they may feel like they're being forced into a corner like hey i'm not sure i, I want to do this and like well have you considered these options sure and so when you, you know, actually have that conversation with them of like, here are the, here are the doors that are now open to you. A lot of times it's, you know, it, it opens their eyes to new character possibilities. Yeah. And like I said, sometimes, sometimes players are perfectly fine with you, like, you know, forcing them to a door and opening it and they'll just walk right through. Yep. Uh, you know, your, your brother is a lot like that. Yes, uh, he literally had an opportunity to do that. And that's, that's how he became the chieftain Wimitoa, of this tribe. The Wimitoa. Yeah. Yeah. The Wimitoa uh, chieftain. Uh, yeah. And he, you know, he was just presented with an opportunity and he went through the door. And, and that's one of the things I like about him as a player is he, he kind of rolls with it. Um, but you know, and then other people really, really will have long conversations with you about, um, their dreams and goals for their character. What yes. they want they, and they're right for it. And you well, have and that's, to support that's where them you form as much those as goals. But you, my thing is you don't tell your goals to your players, like figure out kind of get an idea of what they want. Are they looking for redemption? Are they looking for, you know, treasure? Are they looking for fame as a character? And so then within the framework of the campaign that you have, figuring out opportunities to give them that opportunity. Don't just give yeah. it to them. Make them work for it. it make them to be earn organic it. to the, the story. Like, like the opportunity, if it arises, it you know, it just see, it, it feels and it seems more genuine. And when I see the character, the gamer receive it, like, like say you and I, we communicated weeks prior of what you want with this story. And then I just find the right moment. Like, well, I found many in our Frostman yes. game, you know what I mean? And But I don't, like like you just said, don't force it. wasn't force forced. It. Right. You just, you just wait. And hopefully that character lives long enough to see oh, oh, that and, part, and, you know? You know, for our Frostman campaign, and it, this is going to get into a little bit of spoiler territory real quick. So, uh, Josh, if you're listening, you know, don't turn, listen. turn away. Don't uh, listen. But, um, you know, he, 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 like, took a language that was kind of a throwaway language. Um, and I... I'm, you know, as soon as I saw it on his character sheet, I'm like, that that is going to be crucial in like Act Two or Three. Like, I hope he lives that long. Sure. Spoiler alert: He died. Uh, <laughs> but no, they, but they didn't. Up, they resurrect yeah, him. They, they ended up. Bringing I remember him back. hearing like they carried his yeah. body. And yeah, well, because and, and we had a conversation when he when his character died, and I was like, hey, are you are you done with that character? Do you want to roll a new one, or do you want? A method to bring it back. So he he literally sat through like an entire two, session, like a session or two. It was right? like a session and a half Before where he didn't get to do anything because he was dead. Oh wow! But his, they were stuck in the it's where we were just at. Yeah, where we were. That's yeah, where they, they were. Yeah. So they had to tell you about. But they they brought his. You know, they <sighs> they got his body, got out of there. You know, found found a way to bring him back, and it was it was not easy. You know, they had to go through, they jump through some it. hoops. So they but he came back. And I'm like, yes, he's he's back. Uh, that's going to come into play. But I mean, you know, my other players have been asking me some questions because one of the things, if you if you run Frostmaiden, you'll know there's these player secrets. Yeah. And yeah. so I've had a couple Great players asking me. It is a it's, phenomenal, it's isn't it? Well, especially if you if you choose them right and give them to the right players. So I have some, you know, I, and the thing is, they don't realize it yet. Uh, you know, getting into some minor spoilers. So if you're in my group, uh, you'll be prepared. But. Uh, I've been. I know kind Jesse's going to listen. So yeah, I've been. I've been kind of <laughs> layering some of these secrets so that they are actually on a collision course. And there have been little things here and there, you know, small little minor, you know, NPC bit encounters that have been building up to it. And some of those secrets are about to come to a head where, yeah, they. It's like before they know it, they're, they're going to be in this conversation. And all of a sudden, something happens. They're like, oh wait, wait, what did you just say? And it's like. All right, are you going to tell your party your deep dark secret or, no. you know, because now's if you were looking for the opportune moment. 
Well, that's what Tim any? did. He Tim, he did a drop on us on oh, Tuesday. Was that was, and basically put a jaw drop on all the other players except mine as I sat there and went, I agree. Yep, I will do that. And they're like, wait, what? And the thing is, is none of them character-wise Running out of that, saw that cave. Ah. They had uh, a lot two of... Two died trying to escape. Full-on supposedly And one dead was dead. unconscious that was about to start making death-saving throws. And so... Uh, and others, the other remaining members only had like maybe a max of two to four hit points, yep. if that. Yep. And all. so my character... So full-on strategic rearward advancement, right? Pretty pretty we much. We were running away from a frost giant. Yeah, and the cave was collapsing. Collapsing. That he had, so every the, 10 feet I had to make a, a dexterity saving throw. Which was six of them. Yeah. We had to make six. Yeah. And run six it felt feet. like, okay, unless you rolled like 18 or higher, you're going to get hit. Yeah. And then it was, I was it hearing was coming down. 60 points of damage, 80 points of damage at different points. I'm like, we're only level four, guys. How many hit <laughs> points do we have? Now, we've talked about the past, about like uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics. Yep. And Brendan's going to love this spot. How it like prepares you for mentally, death, but, to, yeah, yep. mentally as a player. But for those that haven't played that, because you're not expected to live, like you're you're purposely given four characters. Yeah, yeah well, funnel. DCC is all about all right. Who's going to be the last man standing? Oh yeah, and it's like it's like let's get to the core of the adventure. It's, and, and it's the, like it's you win by literally surviving. Whereas Five E is more of like you the heroic win because tales. you win. Yeah, yeah. It's like Avengers versus like very uh, unforgiving game, but. but but case in point, when it comes to players being killed and or killing your players, not really everyone. Um, player characters. You all, yeah, player characters. Thank PCs. You. Um, what's recommendations you have for dealing with character death and or helping a character? Because I'll, I'll say one that comes to mind, one of my favorite players, Alex, you know who you yes. are. And I, I, so we had... Which which in which two, death? Oh my yeah. In, which one? In two campaigns, in the Dragonlance one, he had Albros, and hey, he wanted to be Jon Snow. He got to be Jon Snow. Snow, and, and he, he went against went Lord Soth through the ultimate stages of grieving, which was interesting. And he, he got fine with it because it was going somewhere. And then in our Icewind Dale campaign. Yeah, Van wound up getting killed, which is his other character. Yeah, and and he was better with it. Yes, he was the second time. But it was interesting because for two, three weeks, he was catching some grief from the group because of the way he was acting, and and even they did some excellent RP. Yep, with how he's not like of the pack or of the group. He tends to be on his own. But then the way he died, he went dying, going out to protect somebody. Yep. Yes. And then he got to make a whole new character. So, really yeah, the whole, I don't see you as the guy making the sacrifice play, you know, <laughs> put, put on the suit. Let's see. Yeah, exactly. Let's, yeah. it, was, it was, there was a, some challenges, right? You'd see him play and you're like, you have the shield, but you're not being the shield that we would see you play like. And it was very confusing for a while there to watch him play it. And it was... So, but when he went down, it was like, wait, what? Dang, dude. Oh, man. And then it was just watching him handle it the second time because I had, I'm in both campaigns. Yeah. So I saw him go through the first one and I saw all f- stages of grief that he went through on, on his uh, yeah. Van character. It was bad. Like, I played like the bro- end of Brothers Watch from a game of Thrones. <laughs> so, right when it happened, you know what I mean? To give the tone. And, oh, yeah. And I. All- I killed a PC recently and like very subtly like on my phone switched over to my death playlist because yes I have a death playlist and one of my players like looked up and he's like you have a death playlist <laughs> you heartless and was, that, like, was that Sam because I feel like that would have been a Sam no no that was, that was actually I was uh, going to play White Snake like here I go again on my own I just think it, I didn't <laughs> it would have been, been br- it would have yeah. been well phenomenal. I actually, for I played my death playlist this past this past week. Uh, one of my PCs uh, ate it. Um, he's he's currently um, he's he's in an in between state. Um, they're trying to bring him back. Um, but we'll you know, I did. played it, and they're like, you know, it was a different group than I played the, played for the first time. They're like, man, this this music is like. It's perfect for the moment. Like this this feels heavy, and and yeah, said I mean. S- and that's the thing is, player character death is traumatic. It should be. 
And yeah, they're, you know, especially even, in D and D, even when it's like a dumb death, like yep. one that should have been preventable, which they should have seen coming. Like it's always traumatic for the player in that moment. And you always, and so not making jokes of it, but like treating it appropriately, giving it the appropriate gravitas, um, really, you know, letting, cause the thing is like death is a moment for the player. I mean, you know, sure. There's the moment of like slaying the monster, being the one to strike the killing blow, but also the one that the killing blow gets struck too. I mean, think, think Boromir fellowship of the ring like yeah. that. That's, that is your player having a moment. So like you need to let them have it. And oftentimes too, like they're thinking, do I want, you know, like, am I done with this character? Am I about to roll a new character? Like there's, there's stuff going through. So like letting them role play that out. And then, you know, of course, you know, pulling them aside after the session and having the conversation. Cause in my opinion, especially for like five E, if you're not expecting like DCC levels of death, like pull them aside afterward and, and be like, Hey, you know, are you comfortable? Like, you know, what do you want to do? Yep. Yeah, I agree 1000%. But before we get to hear how Daniel deals with death of player characters, you're going to have to deal with a word from our sponsor. See you when you get back. Like board games, Gamerscore. RPGs, Gamerscore. tabletop minis, collectible card games, Gamerscore. Gamerscore's got them, along with a great selection of hobby and gaming accessories. Located in the heart of historic Main Street, Gamerscore is Ellicott City's premier tabletop gaming destination. But we're not just a game store. We're a thriving community of dedicated gamers just like you. So stop by today and find out how you can join the Legion. Gamerscore, more than a game store. Online at gamers-core.store. People in the place, listen up, think fast, because we're coming at you with the Gamers Core Podcast. We got Timmy in the house running games until dawn. Remember, everybody keep calm and game on. on, on. All right, uh, welcome back. Uh, we've been going at this pretty pretty long, <laughs> so obviously we got a lot of talk, and it's always <laughs> fun. Um, we could talk for hours, everyone. Heck yeah, um, man. But hey, Daniel, a few tips, man. Dealing with uh, dealing when you are a DM, dealing with one of your gamers that just died. What are some tips you got? Well, that would be good if I'd ever had one die yet. So that's my oh, first. You're, so you're I'm, too, I'm still a, a, a I, you know, probably I am. Well, then what about from um, the aspect of a player? Everybody's going to so, die to his next session. Yeah, the, but, <laughs> he needs um, experience. As a, <laughs> I honestly haven't had a character die yet either, though. I've had them come close to death saves, but I've not actually had one die. But you've been at the table when others have. Yes. Uh, like we just talked about yeah. with both uh, Alros and Van. Um, so I could tell you, you know, sometimes when you want to recommend like what to do during it, I could tell you what not to do. Like like Josh said, like, hey, yep. give everyone their due and their proper respect. Well, the one thing I that I couldn't help. I need you to roll 3d6, <laughs> okay, and roll it again, okay, and roll it again. Oh. Yeah, yeah you don't want to do that. But uh, when something just, I couldn't help my own physiology at that moment, but when Rob died. Yep. And so oh Rob was gifted a uh, cold weather gear winter suit that just so happened the way I described it and the way I named oh, it. Was this the Care Bear was, suit? It was the Care yes, Bear, it was the the Care Bear, Bear suit. suit. <laughs> <laughs> and we're at the, blo- the Black Cabin in Icewind Dale, which is one hell of an adventure oh, portion. Like, obviously, you'll get to see that. Maybe. My players are probably going to be more inclined to go there now that they've heard that. It's an you interesting You will have fun yes. at the Black Cabin. It's and I can't wait to hear about it. It's a adventure. Um, give it its proper due. But when Rob went in, he had quite the accident. And the way it happened, it was, and the quote Brendan here, Spider. It was like something out of a Quentin Tarantino movie. It just happened. And <laughs> we Brendan, all just went, wait, what? We're like, what? <laughs> Everybody went. And we're all, it was like quiet. And Brendan's like, wait a minute. Were you, are you still wearing the Care Bear suit? And we all just like, <laughs> died laugh, laughing. And we're like, we shouldn't be laughing. We're like, oh, my God, I'm sorry. But all we could picture was <laughs> his dead body in, this <laughs> in a Care Bear suit. suit. That's, one of those, that's one of those, like, with your party, it's like, look, if anything happens to me, take me out of this suit. Do not let me be seen dead. And all Rob could do, he just looked at me and he just shut his laptop. And I was just like, oh, I man. felt bad for him because I sat there and I watched him. And I'm like... And because of the way I play my character, he is very much about the pack yeah, and about yeah. the, uh, the, the group. And so he jumps down and he's like, all right, I'm going to cast heal or cure wounds or something and nothing happens. And that wouldn't in itself, I was 
wait, what? What do you mean? When we do that, we still had like 30 minutes to play. He had to sit there. I was like, there was nothing I could do. Oh, yeah, yeah. DM, I'm not going to force it. But they're all like, wait, really? Yeah. Everyone was like, oh, he's dead, dead. And I was like, yeah, like you don't even get the role. That's how much damage. Yeah, because he had taken so much that it was. I've I've done that. And it's like, (laughs) that's That's never really a good feeling as a DM, especially if you think. (laughs) I had one PC I've killed recently. I was like, Okay, this is how much damage he does, and needs you to. Oh, dude, I'm dead. What? Wait, no, it's this much damage. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm dead. We forget <laughs> where their level threes and level fours. They don't have a lot of HP yet. To, yeah, that's what to was handle happening so, when they were running out of the cave. Yeah. So Ke- Kelly, thanks for rolling with that one. <laughs> but yeah, take, I was like, you take eighty six points of bludgeoning damage. You're like. Dad, I was like, one of you got to get the body. So, but yeah, that's so dealing Always with get the death at the table is, I think, even as a player, it's as important though as anything is to be aware. Like seeing Alex when he did his first death for Alros and just seeing him just literally be devastated. Mm-hmm. I mean, just that night, he was like, oh, yeah, he could not comprehend. And I was it's like, traumatic. but yeah. the thing was, is like, if you like, I knew who Lord Soth was. Yeah. I knew how bad ass Lord Soth was. I was like, Alex, do you understand that you can't win at our level now against? The plot him? armor is thick on this one. There's, I mean, just I, I yeah. tried to give him that understanding, right? And and as a player, but I also realized that afterwards, I was like, maybe I should have just shut up and let him do it, and then support him a little bit better afterwards, because that was. That was one of the failings of our that group at that moment. I don't think any of our group really res- gave it the due it needed. Those two when, episodes were insane too. Yeah, we were. We it was a beautiful map. That was the one where they basically were. I'm ended up being a Kinder uh, freaking balloon balloon yeah. over the chaos gem. I mean, it was nuts, just craziness. But Alex's death, and we were just like, all right. And then, he, all right, this is what's going to happen to that character. And, and, we're do, and Alex is like, I don't know if I want to do that. And I was like, well, dude, I don't know what to tell you because he's at least giving you a chance to resurrect because I was sitting there going, you should have been dead, dead, not coming back at all. Yeah, well, I, I think that it's it, – and that's one of the things I love about this game is there's so many parallels to our real-life experiences. And, you know, in the game, in real life, it's like – I mean, death is a traumatic experience and, you know, inevitably at some point we're all going to experience it. And so, I mean, even in the games, like everybody reacts to it differently. Some, you know, see it as, okay, sending, you know, sending a character off who's had a wonderful time in story and, you know, you know, leaving behind a party that's going to remember them. Um, or, you know, sometimes it, it takes them some time to really get over it uh, yeah. and, you know, move on. And, you know, it's, you know, it's just one of those things, and and I think those are the times where at least my parties that I've seen, you know, it's, it's sort of everybody comes together, everybody kind of leans in. It is it is something that is it's an experience that should not be taken lightly, and that uh, really provides really growth for both the characters, but also for the players. And that's what I did see, right? I mean, literally after that is where I started seeing growth from all of the players at at, at Group D. Was we all kind of okay. That's the first real death in the party, and this is like a year in plus into our game, and this, and we're all just like, whoa, we can die. We forget sometimes. We're like, we're pretty powerful. We're doing all right. We're we're holding our own. I mean, you're playing characters that are throwing themselves at you know at dragons yeah. and throwing them at these dragon high lords and all and magic and all this craziness at dragonlands. You're not gonna come back from that. Yeah, and we've been lucky up till then on the lives saved and all that stuff. So, but definitely saw a lot of growth in all the players slowly after that point. So as we get near the end here, gents, uh, we'll go to Josh. What are let's just say an arbitrary number? What are like three tips you'd give to someone that's just starting into Dungeons and Dragons and or a new aspiring DM? Like, what's the first three things that come to your mind? A new player, just go for it, is my biggest advice. Because, I mean, like I said, when I got into it, uh, it was before, you know, COVID really kind of propelled D&D into the mainstream. It was still kind of had a little bit of a stigma. And it's like, look, if you think you're going to have fun, just 
go for it. Don't worry about what anyone else is going to think. Like, give it a try. Try it out. See if it's your thing. And then if it is your thing, like, just roll with it. I mean, if you want to try a new character, then go for it. If you want to be the one who tries to go for the really crazy maneuver, uh, you know, climb up the dragon's back and, you know, stab it in the head, go for it. Like, this is a game of endless possibilities. And, like... And you can really try things out in this world. And like, and the thing is too, like if you're normally kind of an introverted person, yeah. like at the table where no one cares and you're role-playing, like this is the opportunity to maybe try out like being charismatic, you know, play the bard, be the bard. I mean, I've got a player who is a, very I, over the top I gregarious. I firmly believe D&D is very underrated when it comes to like mental emotional health of what it could do. For oh, absolutely. People, hands down. It, it's a mentoring tool that basically yeah. allows a person who is not maybe a socially adept person to learn how to be socially adept in an environment that at the end of the day they get to experience it but that it doesn't feel like it's experiencing them and it is so important it's a safe place where you can try new things so as a player just just go for it um as a dm i would say my biggest advice is it's similar to just go for it but um i would say improv is my biggest tip which is learn to just roll with the punches learn to make stuff up on the fly maybe get a couple of players who you trust you know three or four guys and Try running a session where you make everything up as you go. And, you know, it'll really stretch you. But being able to do that improv, you know, when when you prep an entire thing and your party takes a left turn, you're ready for it because you can just make it up as you go. It's really a matter of repetitions, right? Pretty much, yeah. It's just experience. Your mind's just racing and then it it comes natural. What about you, Daniel? What about to to new players? So, Because you've had a lot of new players in your group. I have. And I have also uh, been that new player for here, right? Because... So the big thing that I would say for any new player is this is kind of actually more like over. The, if you, even if you don't know anyone, there's somebody out there for you to play with. That was the thing I did not know. I walked into this store. Same here. Didn't know with a person. But the fact that the store had this, hey, you pay, you sit at a table. I'm now guaranteed a spot. I don't have to ask somebody. I didn't have to feel like... Can I get in? You know how, oh, like yeah, you were saying, exactly that, what I was that I, awkward. I didn't like, know anybody until I heard this one person mention. Yeah, and I didn't ever have that. So it was like the very fact that I, I, the anchor of the store gave that opportunity to me. So for a player, that I would always say is like when you there is always going to be somebody there for you to play with, um, and if you don't, there are always people that you could talk to that might know somebody. Yeah, well, and if you're in, in our local area, you know, Gamers Core is, is fantastic phenomenal. for that. But even if you're listening beyond our area, yep. find a local game store that runs D&D. Because chances are, the people who are there were you at one point. They um, walked in cold to a store and were like, hey, um, uh, D&D. Yep. And to be honest with you, to help out all the gamers out there, you could look at other apps. Uh, there's Meetup. I know Wizards List. I, I still believe they list where uh, Adventures League goes on. So you could start with a one shot, at least maybe meet others yep. and all. But there's honestly, no obligation. If you don't yeah, like it, drop out. Yeah, drop out. On a slight turn, half of my party that's on Sunday uh, play in another game with one of my players. Yeah. And so I'm like, cool. they, because I have two gentlemen that were, uh, that are the, Elder Statesman, and they had never played D anD D before, and this was like one of their goals, right? They they wanted to play D anD D, got to be on in my table and all that, and then another player came in, and they're like, now they're playing in like three, four games, and they're doing yeah. all this stuff, and I was like, super cool, ecstatic too. for them because I knew that that's something that they loved, and they they just. I saw them bloom on my table, and it was so much fun. So what about being a DM, though, too? Because not only did you come fresh to be a new player here and play <laughs> for like a year, you did, just like Josh, jump head first. Oh, man, I DM. did. Um, so now about a year and a half later, what wisdom would you impart, like being the number one thing? Well, it's kind Have of a, a good DM mentor, perhaps. That <laughs> helps. <laughs> it does help when I can go, uh, Josh, how did you handle this or that? Right. So it is good. It is important to have a mentor. It is so important to have somebody to to bounce ideas off of because one brain cannot do everything. You cannot know everything. You can't have all the ideas. Often overlook a bunch of stuff. So oh, yeah. asking. I learned everything from all you guys. Yeah. I, I, but I think we all learn a little bit from like everybody else. So that's part of what it is. But I also look at it as like when I was sitting at the table, 
the one thing as a player I wanted was I wanted NPCs that were interesting and I cared about and that made a difference in my life as playing this character. And I just didn't feel like I was getting that. So when I became the DM and I was like, no, we're going to hit, there's going to be Tannis, there's going to be Taz, there's going to be Flint, there's going to be these characters that I know so well because I've read of them and I know these characters. Um, and then I'll add in, sprinkle in some of my own NPCs that are just some memorable moments that these, trust me, my players on Sunday and they know like the doors that uh, are basically the uh, the what is it, the see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil? Well, they basically, they got the knockers from like, I think it's Labyrinth or whatever. I did something like that with them. Just, I came up with NPCs that m mattered and made it, because it immersed them in the, in the world better. Because now these characters matter to them. They're dealing with somebody. So I tried different voices. I tried different uh, accents. I tried to make sure that as a DM, I didn't become predictable in how I would portray characters either. I didn't want to uh, give them the same bland old person. Well, there's a, nothing more gut-wrenching than creating an NPC that your entire party loves just to rip them away. away. <laughs> yep. And so it was... So... From, yeah, setting the tone probably is a big part of that for me. Is like I know I kind of talked like three things on the for one DM thing, but it's it really at the end of the day, it's just find something that you can anchor yourself on as a DM. I think is probably the most important. If you can find something that you can anchor that you know that you're comfortable with, and then allows you to expand your uh, skills from that. And so for me, it was like I, NPCs. I know the I know Tannis. I know Tass. I can use Flint, and I can do these things. Okay, now I can work with the world. I know the world. Okay, uh, there's some things I can remember. I got to go look at refresh my mind in the books. But I was like, I knew my NPCs. That was my anchor. So work that with I what you know. Yes, yeah, I couldn't agree with you guys more. And all I've learned a bunch from you all. I've played games with you all, and all. And we've had a great time playing yeah, with it's you. So much fun. Uh, thank you both. For coming on the show this community is awesome because we have gamers like you I and appreciate we love you being for here for these guys and being this store just brings so much joy to yeah, so many you. people yeah same all across you guys are awesome uh before we head on out just a few announcements we still have a lot of things going on in the month of august that will lead into september um, be sure to check the website at gamers-core.store or .com. We have them both. But more importantly, too, to give a shout-out, go and check out Visit OEC. You could Google it. They have events coming on up. One of the new things coming on up in September is Music Fest. That'll still be going down. Everyone's very responsible, especially with some of the concerns going on. But we'll play it by ear and continue to do so. However, uh, Harry Potter Fest, mm, I got to say Wizarding Weekend on Magical Main is returning this year, and it'll be probably bigger than the first one. Last year we did it virtual, and we celebrated for a month. And but, your boss uh, is kind of running that, and I know oh, she's got plans, down. upon yeah, plans, gonna, upon plans. We're going to turn the store into, once again, another wand shop and be able to get your robes here. That's the goal. Um, That'll we're be looking awesome. for a few other surprises to come on down, but make sure you keep your eyes out for that. But until the end... I uh, hope you all have a fantastic day. Keep calm and game on. Thanks, Jens. We'll talk to you soon. Gamers Core Podcast. Keep calm. Game on.